Good morning. Welcome to Atna Green Church of Christ and our online uh, worship service and our prayer and encouragement this morning. We want to welcome you and, uh, and thank you for tuning in and being a part of this. We hope to be together soon. Uh, we have people working together to come up with a plan uh, to uh, have a safer place for us to gather and, and worship Christ together. I have uh, been praying for them and the task force and ask that you would continue to do the same, praying for our leadership as we try to navigate uh, what's ahead of us and, and really what's before us. Uh, we are grateful though that we have uh, technology and the ability to connect this way. Uh, it's becoming a little bit worrisome if, <laughs> if we're all being honest, uh, but uh, we know that we need each other. And so I want to issue just a very simple challenge right at the outset of this, that, uh, that we would connect with one another, encourage one another, spend time together, think about ways of being hospitable and caring for each other, and really um, start connecting and encouraging. We have the instant church directory for a reason, uh, that no one should feel isolated, no one should feel uh, left out or not a part of things. Uh, that we could reach out to one another. If everyone reached out to two people this week, just checked in and prayed with one another, it would go a long ways to reminding us that we are together. We are God's church, and we do care for one another. And so please uh, take that challenge uh, seriously. Um, on the front end of the services, I've been doing the pastoral prayer, and I'm going to put that at the back end. I'd like to just... Um, open with a, a brief prayer, inviting God's Spirit to work in our hearts and minds and our homes uh, this morning. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you for today, a time once again to draw our attention and focus on you uh, collectively as one body, though we are apart. Remind us this morning, God, that we are together. And this week, as we minister to one another, as we all are the priesthood of believers. Remind us, God, that we can be for someone in our life a beacon of light and encouragement, someone that helps uh, someone else draw closer to you. And so, God, uh, we ask for this commission that you've impressed on our hearts to also be something uh, that we feel capable of doing and strong enough to do through your spirit to love, encourage, and connect and draw us closer together than ever before. God, we thank you for your love and your grace and your son drawing us together to you. And it's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. And this morning we're going to be in John chapter 14. John chapter 14. Before reading our text this morning, I want to share just a quick little story. Uh, I was able to get away uh, to Tennessee and uh, spend some time in the mountains there, uh, just refreshing my mind and soul and uh, refocusing. One of the great things that I was able to do was go hiking on some different trails. And the first day, the trail that uh, we were on, uh, the, uh, all of the trails had one thing in common. They all had waterfalls. Now the difference was there were kind of two different trails. And some of the trails had the waterfall at the end, and one of the trails, our first tra uh, trail for the first day, 
the waterfall was actually at the beginning. Like we got out of the cars and there's the waterfall. And then there was a sort of eight mile loop that brought you back to the waterfall. And we, uh, uh, we went uh, on this on the first day and we saw the waterfall, we enjoyed it. And then it was like, well, I guess we're here to hike. So we have to, we have to kind of keep hiking, I guess. That's what you're supposed to do. And, and so we started going up uh, the, the path and one of my friends was feeling, uh, for, was feeling sick and it was just from long days of travel and probably altitude sickness and some other things. And he just said, I, I gotta go back. And so we were maybe a half mile in and he went back to the car. And then after, it's hard to know how many miles, but maybe another mile, uh, this gentleman came, uh, came from the other direction. And he said, uh, be careful up there about a half mile or a mile. He said, there was a yellow jacket's nest that was stirred and I got stung 12 times. And we thought, oh, well, that, that doesn't sound good. And so we already had one friend circle back and then we had uh, this gentleman tell us that there was a group of, uh, of yellow jackets, uh, a swarm of yellow jackets that was um, stirred up. And so it was kind of like, well, that doesn't really sound very enjoyable either. So we went a little bit further and then we decided, okay, let's circle back and head back to the car. Now on the other trails, uh, we, uh, we found ourselves in situations where uh, the trails were difficult and we were growing tired, but there was the waterfall at the end. And so you kind of had this motivation to keep going because there was the waterfall, there was something for you to keep striving for. And so you may have gotten tired, but it was let's put you know one foot in front of the other and just keep going and have a good pace and and stay on the path and keep working and you'll get to what you were hoping for. It was a lot easier to weather the difficulty when we knew that the waterfall was before us. And it was much harder to keep going and do the loop in the midst of all of that, the adversity, when we felt like we left the waterfall behind. This morning as we read our text, I'd like to have sort of that story as a little bit of an illustration as to what I think is going on in the life of the disciples. If we look in John chapter 13 before we hop into 14, just prior to this, Jesus was telling his disciples that he was going to be crucified, that he was going to leave, that he was departing them. And he says, I give you this new command. I command you there in verse 34, 13, 34, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And so Jesus is challenging them and just this last word, this last counsel of teaching is love each other, love one another, care for one another. And in the midst of this, he is saying to them, I am leaving and you won't follow me now, but you're going to follow me later. And Peter says, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I'll, I'll lay down my life with you. And Jesus says, yeah, Peter, uh, I know you think that. But he says, will you really lay down your life for me? Very, tell, very truly, I tell you, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. 
Jesus tells his disciples that he's leaving. And he's given them plenty of prep work to this point to know that what Jesus is about to go through is his death. And I can't help but connect for the disciples how they might have been feeling. They had the waterfall with them. They had the one that they were seeking, the one that they've always wanted, right there with them. And now they are looking at what is ahead and they're not sure they want to leave it behind. We want to go where you are, Jesus. And so discouragement has no doubt set in. Peter, the the closest friend of Jesus, or one of the closest in the inner circle, the guy that has been most passionate about Jesus, is now being told, you're not going to do what you say you're going to do. In fact, you're not going to follow me all that far, and you are going to disown me. Not only are you not going to follow me to my death, but the very opposite end of the spectrum, you're going to say to others that you've never even know me, you don't know the, who I am at all. And so it's very easy to see, I think, why the disciples might be discouraged. And a very real and very hard question begins to set in under the minds of the disciples. And in, uh, interested readers of the text will start asking the questions as well. Is Jesus really the Messiah? Is Jesus really the Son of God? Is Jesus really the Son of Man? If he's beaten, crucified, dragged off, and killed, is Jesus really the Messiah? And so the disciples have set into this moment where they feel like they're going to begin a journey away from what they have always been seeking and wanting. They felt in earnest that they have found the one that the world has been looking for. That they have found the one who is going to make the world right. That they found the one who is going to heal and help. And they have witnessed this Jesus heal. They have witnessed his miracles. They have witnessed him driving out demons. They have witnessed him raising Lazarus from the dead. And now they are told he is leaving. And so then, Jesus says to them, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. And there's one way of reading this text, and I don't know that it's all that common, but it's, this is a cautionary sort of uh, thing to say, and that is that when Jesus says, do not let your hearts be troubled, this is not Jesus condemning us when our hearts are troubled. This is Jesus giving us grace to say that in Jesus there's no reason, uh, that we have one who will walk with us in our trouble. The word trouble is as if our lives are shaken. That the disciples' hearts have been rattled to their very core and they are so deeply troubled in heart to know that Jesus, the one they have been waiting for, is now departing from them. And Jesus says, don't be troubled by this. Keep believing in me. 
He says, you believe in God, believe also in me. Don't stop believing. And if we had the usage right, I would start playing that song right now for you. But don't stop believing and keep trusting and keep walking and keep listening and knowing that even in the midst of the greatest heartache that these disciples are facing, they can know that Jesus is trustworthy and true. And the rest of our chapter is Jesus unpacking why their hearts can be healed and why the trouble in their life and this heartache and suffering and sadness, why Jesus is the one still worth following even if he leaves them behind. And while the disciples may feel like they're walking away from the waterfall, Jesus is going to point towards a greater hope and a greater future. In verse 2, my father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. And Jesus answered, Don't you know me, Philip, even after I have been among you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. And they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Thomas wonders what way they are heading. Jesus says, you know the way to the place where I'm going. And Thomas has his misunderstandings. And Jesus clarifies. If you're wondering what I've been doing, I've been showing you, as Jesus' way of framing it. I've been showing you this, that I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. That no one comes to the Father except through him except through Jesus Christ. And if you know Jesus, then you also know the Father. Jesus has been revealing the Father to the world. 
the Father of all creation, Jesus is pointing us to him. That phrase, I am the way, the truth, and the life, that's come under fire recently, but that is not a new development. Many Christians, though, have walked back that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Many have come to believe that Jesus is interchangeable. Interchangeable with another religion, interchangeable with another system of beliefs, interchangeable with good deeds and kindness. We are told that the way to the Father, the way to new life, the way into the kingdom, the way into a new heaven and a new earth, that way is Jesus and Jesus only. And what we would like to say is is that everybody can have a, a part of it. That Jesus is just one way among many ways. And you can call this any number of things, postmodernism, universalism, or whatever you want to throw at it. But here's the simple point. If we dethrone Jesus, we will end up enthroning someone else or something else. We will always be looking for someone or something to lead us. And what I would say is this text is challenging us back to remember that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And that there is no other way. And as politically incorrect and, uh, and as offensive as that might be, we do still need to hold firm that in a world where everything seems to be shaken, we need to hold on to the central truth that Jesus is Lord and Messiah. And Jesus reiterates his identity to remind his disciples that in the midst of trouble, don't forget who he is and what he's done. Don't forget that Jesus is the way. He is the way to the Father, that Jesus is the truth, revealing to the world the true nature and true identity of God the Father. That Jesus truly is life, that he is uh, what we are waiting for and hoping for. And so while the disciples may feel like they're leaving the waterfall behind, Jesus is saying, keep following me, keep the faith, stay steadfast, put one foot right in front of the other. And the way of that is this, by following me. The way of that is to love one another as I have loved you. The way of that is to lay down your lives and keep seeking me and trusting me. And so Jesus, he puts in front of them himself. And he says, I am the way I've been showing you all along. Don't give up. Trust and believe. Keep believing in me. Show your faith and your allegiance and devotion. Keep putting one foot in front of the other, seeking Christ and his kingdom. In the midst of our suffering, in the midst of our grief, we might be tempted to doubt. And just like my friends 
and me trying to make our way down the path and we find one friend falling off and not feeling very well and, and then being presented with increasing challenges of, uh, of difficulty in the path and yellow jackets up ahead, we felt discouraged enough to turn back to where we were, uh, uh, from where we were heading. Suffering and sorrow and grief and difficulty, we might be tempted to doubt. We might be tempted to wonder, is Jesus still Lord? when the world is falling apart, when the things that we have held on to so dearly and clung to so tightly have fallen away, is it still worth following the Jesus way? John's point is that we will be troubled, but that we should keep the faith that we will be shaken, but we remember that we belong to an unshakable kingdom. In the words of Hebrews, we are encouraged to follow faithful people. And after Hebrews 11, where we hear a long list of people who have faith, who kept putting one foot in front of the other, People who by faith passed through the Red Sea and dry land. But when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell because the followers of God put one foot right in front of the other and they marched around for seven days. These were all commended for their faith. Yet none of them yet received what was promised since God had planned something better so that only together with us would they be made perfect. They kept marching and they kept one foot in front of the other. They trusted and they believed and they kept the faith despite the trouble. And it says in Hebrews 12, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. It's pretty easy to grow weary and lose heart right now. And the scriptures are not condemning us for growing weary and losing heart. They're giving us a way out and a way forward. And the disciples facing the very real reality that they left family and friends for this would-be Messiah who's now going to be killed. They will lose everything and the very one that they gave their lives for. And Jesus will say, keep the faith. Keep believing. Put one foot right in front of the other. And the story of scriptures, of the scriptures tell us, 
that Jesus is doing something. That Jesus will return. That Jesus will make all things new. And the sorrow and the suffering and the brokenness and the hurt of the world will be no more. And so if you would find yourself on the path once again, the path of faith and following Jesus as the way, the path might get a little harder and a little more uphill, and it seems like 2020 is coming on a swarm of yellow jackets. We would be reminded not to circle back, but to endure. And maybe it's to rest. Rest in knowing that Jesus is Lord. Maybe it's to hydrate and find ourselves drinking what John calls Jesus in the living water. Maybe it's to find our strength in Jesus being the bread of our life and the sustenance and strength. Maybe it's the reminder that Jesus is uh, before Abraham, I am. That Abraham in his great faith kept believing in God despite not knowing where he was going or how God was going to do it. He kept believing and he, he believed and it was credited to him as righteousness. Well, before Abraham, there was Jesus. Maybe what we need along this journey is the reminder that we're not doing it alone. That the path before us, as Hebrews 11 reminds us, that that path was beaten in place and marked out for us and reminds us that there is a place worth going and a people worth being and a way that's set before us through Jesus Christ. And so we keep following his way. We keep loving one another and seeking him. Wherever you find yourself today, this morning or afternoon or whenever you're catching this message, I pray that for all of us it would be this reminder that the path we are on is leading to a new heaven and a new earth where Jesus reigns and we have a place in his kingdom. Don't lose hope. Your hearts may be troubled, but keep believing. Keep reminding yourselves of your place in Jesus as his, as his brother and sister. He tells us who his family is. He says, my family are those who do the will of God. Remind yourself of your place in him. Remind yourself of what he has done. Who endured such great opposition of sinners that he lays down his life for all of us. Scorning and shame and brokenness and death, Jesus faces it all so that when we are on the path, we can be reminded that whatever is on the path, Jesus has overcome. Jesus teaches us in this life there will be trouble, but we are to take heart knowing that Jesus has overcome the world. And whatever brokenness and whatever sorrow, whatever heartache we face, we can know that Christ has overcome. And that we too will overcome by the blood of the Lamb 
and the word of our testimony, our faithfulness, our confession of Christ as Lord, this thing that beats in our hearts and reminds us every day that Christ is our hope, our salvation, our victory, our very life. As Christians, we fundamentally hold true that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. My encouragement to you today is to remember our fundamentals. Remember the most basic things. That's what the counsel would be to anyone who are in the midst of trials or great difficulty. The reason why you go through the practices that you do in, say, a football game or, or baseball or whatever that you would do the things that you've always done to get yourself through. That you would find yourself doing uh, you know, the most basic things to get through and build momentum and do the right things. That might be how you win a game of football, but it's also a good counsel for us. When everything seems rattled, we need to go back to our foundation. A foundation that won't be shaken foundation that won't be destroyed. The word of God calls Jesus our cornerstone and we build our life on him. And so I can't help but feel that God is calling us all back. Back to him. Back to our foundation. Back to Jesus as the way. Jesus as the truth. Jesus as our life. How do you need to come back to him? Remember your foundation. This text for me this week has ministered to me in my prayer life. There's a lot of things going on and as I transition now, I'd, I'd like to offer a pastoral prayer for you and for all of our congregation and anyone who might be listening. It's pretty easy to be troubled right now. I recognize it in my own family. Recognize it in family that's in Michigan and how they're wrestling with different things. Family uh, that is my church family. The trouble of not being together the way that we desire to be. The trouble of uh, the economy. The trouble of politics. The trouble of all of these things that seek to divide and destroy and bring harm. There's trouble in our hearts about just do we send our kids to school and what does that look like and how do we do that? Trouble to how do we open our doors and, and welcome people into our homes? How do we return to being hospitable people knowing how to navigate all of this? I don't need to spend much more time reminding you that there is trouble in this world. And so our prayer time together is simply to ask God to remind us that he's well aware of the trouble and he's with us. That the prayer today would be that God would lead us down the path of righteousness and the path that Jesus lays before us. 
we know the way to the Father. The way is through Christ the Lord. And the brokenness of this world and the brokenness of the disciples, they would feel all but abandoned. And then Jesus would rise. And Jesus would show himself to be alive. And the world would change. Proving himself to be the Lord, the Messiah, the Son of God, and the Son of Man. That yes, he was beaten, and yes, he was arrested, and yes, he was crucified. And yes, he rose from the dead. And yes, he now reigns as king. Let's pray for this comfort to be in our hearts and our minds. That we would stay the path and keep believing. Heavenly Father, we love you. And we thank you that you have not abandoned us. That you have not turned from us. But you have drawn near to us through your Son, Jesus, and through your Spirit. Our hearts are troubled. We are filled with anguish and grief. We have on our hearts people who need your help. We pray for our friend Candy, who's in the hospital. We pray that you would help her to breathe, that she would heal. We pray for our church family, Lord, that have so many important jobs in medical fields and caring for others. We pray, God, that their hearts would not be troubled, but they would have courage and strength and your protection and your love. Lord, that you would be in the midst of nursing homes and that you would protect and help the vulnerable and the hurt. Lord, we lift before you great praise and thanksgiving and knowing that you have healed and helped our friend Sally and our friend Linda. We pray, Father, for our children, those that are yet to be born, but our wonderful, um, wonderful family members in our church family who are pregnant. We pray that you would bless them and care for them, that you would be with a child within them. Lord, we lift before you our children that are heading off to school or maybe staying home and doing it from home. God, we pray for your protection and your love and your care for them. We pray for the administrators and teachers and janitors and, and aides and substitutes and bus drivers and uh, support staff and everyone in between. Not just for our Triton community, but for, for every school looking to head back and every child. Lord, may their precious smiles bring joy to their teachers. May renewed friendships be an inspiration to us. May laughter soothe our souls. And Lord, we look forward to the day that we can come together again and may those same smiles and the same laughter and the same expressions of joy 
and connection and encouragement lift our souls and draw us closer to you and lift our spirit. Father, the present adversity in our world leaves us wondering how to pray and what to pray. And so we lean on your spirit to speak on our behalf. We don't know what it is to ask for because we don't have the wisdom to see our ways through it. And Lord, you have pulled back so many things that we have often taken for granted. So let us be a gracious people filled with gratitude. We pray for your help today to strengthen our souls, to fix our eyes and fix our minds on you. Help us to find routines that are life-giving and honoring to you. Help us to find ways to walk with you on the path, on this journey. Give us encouragement along the way. The nourishment to know that Jesus is the living water and the living bread. The bread of life that strengthens us. That you are the God who goes with us and the God who has gone before us. Remind us, Lord, of your faithfulness so that we may model that faithfulness in our own life. Help us not to grow weary, not to lose heart, not to give up, but to keep going with our eyes fixed on you, the author and perfecter of our faith. Help us to fix our hearts on you when we are most discouraged and most with, filled with doubt. And remind us that in the midst of our trouble, that Jesus is the way, that Jesus is the truth, that Jesus is the life, and he is our only way to you, the only way to a restored and renewed world. Lord, do not let us grow weary and lose heart. Draw us to you. Be with us, your people. And for every prayer that's on our hearts now, Lord, please hear us. And know that we love you. We thank you for your help and your grace, your mercy and your kindness. We lift this to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus teaches us a new command. A new command I give you. Love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Jesus says this is the way. The way is love. There's not a problem this week that can't be handled with this command. Not an adversity, not a problem or a difficulty or a sorrow. 
that can't be matched with this simple command to love, to consider others, to be gracious and kind with those who are in your life. There's a lot of hurt in our world right now. And I think Jesus knows what he's saying. Love. Love as Christ has loved us. And care deeply for us. Go and be that love in this world today. God bless you, and I hope to see you soon. Please call me, text me, write me an email, mail a letter, let me know how you're doing and how we can love one another through this. Take care. God bless. Have a great week.